This is why small business matters from Northumbria University, supporting small businesses with the Help to Grow Management Programme. Hello and welcome to episode one of Why Small Business Matters. My name is Matt Sutherland and I'm part of a team at Northumbria University who spent the last decade working with over 400 SMEs, listening to their experiences, helping them overcome their challenges and celebrating their successes. This podcast is an extension to this activity and provides SMEs and entrepreneurs the chance to share their stories and what it means to be a successful SME in 2021. Today, I'm joined by Ollie Barrett, serial entrepreneur, co-founder and founder of many businesses, including Tenor and Startup Britain. Ollie is also a connector. In fact, he's a good one at that, with The Independent describing him as the most connected man in Britain. Ollie has been involved in more than 10 international trade missions and sits on various advisory boards, including Tech London Advocates and One Million Mentors. It goes without saying that this type of activity doesn't go unnoticed. And in 2013, Ollie received an MBE for services to business and entrepreneurship. My guests don't stop there, and I'm absolutely delighted to also be joined by Caroline Theobald. Caroline has a breadth of business experience and is one of the most connected people in the northeast of England. In 2000, she established the Bridge Club to provide an arena for businesses to connect and partner. She's also involved in women's business angel networks with Gabriel Investors and champions gender equality, ethical and responsible business. In 2014, she co-founded FIRST, a dedicated learning and development agency specialising in entrepreneurial skills. In her spare time, she's chair of Newcastle Business School's advisory board here at Northumbria University. Unsurprisingly, this activity has been formally recognised in the Queen's Honour List. And in 2016, Caroline received a CBE for services to business and entrepreneurship. Welcome to you both. You've obviously been doing huge amounts of um, activity. In fact, you've both had extraordinary careers to date. And I would probably look to Ollie first and say, come on, Ollie, how did all of this begin? (laughs) Well, that is a very interesting question because, I mean, define begin because I started my first company uh, when I was still studying. Um, I'm not sure whether my tutors approved or not uh, at Leeds University. And that's how I crossed paths with Caroline. And I know we might talk about that. But actually, the seeds, if you like, of entrepreneurship were sown a lot earlier than that. And even when I was at school and college, I was just the sort of character that loved helping to start things, really, whether that was clubs or, you know, productions and things like that. So I always quite enjoyed behind the scenes helping bring stuff together. So maybe it was inevitable that I would start life. And I was lucky enough to, um, you know, get a few work experiences and internships, just having a look inside some fascinating, particularly smaller businesses. And I just thought, you know, um, I would love to work inside or help to create uh, an an organisation, particularly in the business world. A lot of this activity did start when you were at Leeds, didn't it? When you were at university. And what, what were you doing then? What type of activity were you involved with when you were a student? Well, I had a brief uh, career at uh, Edinburgh University, French and Spanish. Lasted a term and realised, frankly, I wasn't going to last the course. It was a four-year course and I dropped out. And to cut a very long story short, Matt, um, I, I couldn't get onto any other courses till the following September. So um, I went and became a butlin redcoat, which uh, for... 
uh, British viewers or listeners will know, but any, anyone else, this is a holiday camp, and I was helping provide some of the entertainment. And yes, that did mean comparing, which remains a string to my bow and all sorts of activity. But to your question, at Leeds, I did a very practical BBC trained course in broadcasting. So there I was um, with radio, television, very hands-on, very practical. And um, I just threw myself into things like student radio or producing shows and musicals and plays and things like that. And little by little, um, had the idea with my collaborator in those enterprises, in a few of those enterprises, what would it look like if we started a business? And the thing we were most passionate about was turning the careers fair upside down. We felt that for too many people, and you might have seen this, for too many people, the careers fair was grey and boring and only featured these multi-billion dollar companies. And we thought it could be a bit more exciting, run by students, for students, featuring small and um, medium-sized organisations and actually a bit, a, bit, a, bit, a bit of fun, really. So that was my first ever company. It was called Amazing You and it was designed to connect students with each other and with the world of work. Brilliant. And is and is that is that where you, know, you met Caroline, didn't you, when you were, I think you were still a student. Tell me a little bit more about your encounter with, uh, with Caroline. Well, I'm more than aware that Caroline gets to tell her version of this story, so I better be a bit careful. But I will confess that when you're starting up your first company, it's very easy to pretend everything's going really well. We had Saatchi and Saatchi as sponsors. We'd recruited over 150 people in nine cities. We thought we were onto something pretty exciting, but the reality was we were really struggling financially. And frankly, meeting Caroline was just this breath of fresh air because I thought, wow, I can tell you the fun stuff, but I can also tell you that all is not as it seems. And we met through a fascinating network initially called the Network of Networks, and Caroline might correct this, but uh, which was, I think, sponsored by BT, but which a young man called Charlie Holt was somehow weaving together threads behind the scenes and it brought together the leaders if you like of networks and i suppose i was with my student network hat on and caroline already was making a huge success with the bridge club and anyway to cut a very long story short it was just you know part therapeutic part cathartic part uplifting part inspiring just to meet a new friend um, who I've counted as a friend for two decades since and just be able to be completely honest with about all the ups and all the downs and just think I've met a fellow traveller here. Yeah, and I've heard this side of the story from Caroline that you were sitting round a table with Charlie Holt and had a sort of brain dump about your business and where you were going. Caroline, come in. What, what, was, you, what, was, what was your impressions of meeting Ollie and, and what, were, what were the type of conversations that you were having at that time? Do you know, it was just lovely. I mean, Ollie and I are both 100 percenters. In fact, we're probably 200 percenters, you know, so we talk about journey. We talk about journeys on speed. And, you know, I'm a tiny bit older than Ollie. And, you know, I'd met him with his dinner jacket on when he was doing Amazing You in, in Durham, actually. I thought this is a cracking idea. But, you know, when you have cracking ideas, it's always about the execution. And actually, when you're in business with somebody, it's also about trust. Um, and, you know, we sat together. We were, we were at the, that great big tower, weren't we, in, in the BT Tower, I remember. And we had a really long chat about some of the stuff that was going on that perhaps Ollie hadn't told other people about. And it was just when you can trust somebody enough and that's a mutual thing to you know to be able to trust somebody then it can really make a difference and you never know whether you're a you've got a bit of wisdom or whether it's just a bit 
lucky that you said something that resonates. But you know, it was it set us off on a friendship. We you know we hardly see each other really, but every we we every year, Ollie. This and I think this is lo- absolutely lovely. Every year, Ollie sends me a thing about you know, oh thanks very much. You know, please remember you know this, and I just think that's such a lovely thing because people lose it. You know, it's it, the, so many people that we meet along the way. You help them, and then it's as if you never existed. It's fascinating to me, Caroline, that some of the seeds you went on to plant. I don't know if you'll remember introducing me to a student who'd just come out of a university in Newcastle, uh, a young Oliver Royds. Do you remember that? Yes, I remember Ollie Royds. And Ollie Royds was in search of, you know, seeking his fortune. He, I think, was looking for a few things, including a desk space, which we were very happy to offer him in one of my um, later companies. And one thing leads to another. He ends up co-founding now a hugely exciting and successful series of businesses. And, you know, that that one thoughtful introduction from you, Caroline, um, you know, I count Ollie as a good friend. His business has gone on to thrive. Um, And, um, you know, how long did that introduction take? Well, you could say it took a minute, but actually it took a lifetime of honing the art of thoughtful connections, really, didn't it, from you? That's the truth. Well, that's very, very, very kind of you. And I, I think that sometimes what it is, it's I'm very wary about things like LinkedIn because people say, oh, can you just connect me to? I see you're connected. Well, that's not what this is about. It's actually about really respecting both people who you're putting together and sort of asking their permission really if it's if it's going to be all right that's when the magic happens because you know you have to be very you have to be very very careful i think of people their identity and what they're doing and it's so easy sometimes if you think oh i'm gonna um, make this connection it's bound to be good for them but if you don't have their permission to do it you know it might not be and i don't think it's it's a really important thing, Ollie, isn't it? Yeah, well, I, I, I'm, I know Matt will want to get a word in edgeways, so he probably has invited the wrong two guests for that. But no, all I would add is, um, yes, trust often built up over years matters hugely. But one thing that also matters, and Caroline, you're great at, is giving people a break, giving people a chance, being able mm-hmm. to maybe frame that in the con- in the introduction, saying, I have only recently met John. However, he seems to me to be a good soul onto a good thing. And I think you should give him a chance, you know, and it's that it's that sort of weighing those things in the balance is also important because, um, you know, that, that, that's how, frankly, I got started. People believed in me, gave me a gave me a leg up and I, I'll never forget that. And, you know, that is that is just great, because I remember early days of the Bridge Club and there were some sort of lions of, let's say, the Newcastle business community there. And they were saying, well, why, Caroline, why haven't I got something on me that tells people who I am? And I said, because that's really hard. If you're young and you're just starting and you've got a thing that says who you are and you're terribly well known, you can't have a conversation because you can't be open because you're the wrong things will come out of your mouth because you're trying to impress somebody rather than being able to say who you are and what you've got that might be a bit special. And what I've liked to hear listening so far is that really both of you have highlighted the importance of people aren't they? People are important, aren't they? And you talked, Ollie, about trust. You trusted Caroline and, you, and and Charlie, and you talked about some of your woes and some of the things that you wanted to do. Why, Why looking at both of you, why are people important? Why, are, why is it great to speak to new people or people that you've known for a long time? What do you get from them? I'll go first. People do business with people. 
I, I remember when I set the Bridge Club up, everyone thought I was mad because remember it was 2000 and everyone was going internet-y and Charlie was doing bricks and clicks and the super network and, you know, all of that. Wow. Um, but actually, and I thought, well, no, whatever the internet does, it's an enabler. The people who do business are are people and you're, you're going to do business with other people because you can't do everything online. Or do you disagree, Ollie? No, like I 100% agree. And, uh, you know, there's a lovely quotation by Theodore Zeldin, Professor Theodore Zeldin, who said, life is a search for people. And um, I, I agree with that. You know, waking up this morning in Nairobi is someone who you've never met and that you'd probably get on very well with. And I just think that is a genuinely exciting possibility. So for me, you know, <laughs> business has to be, it, it, it certainly isn't enjoyable every hour of the day, let's be very honest. Um, but in the overall, it has to be enjoyable, it has to be fun, and it is at its best when it involves very different types of people, different generations, different backgrounds, different mindsets, different philosophies, and um, that for me has just been endlessly exciting. It's why I'm a serial co-founder, it's why I enjoy being involved in multiple different projects, and whether you want to solve a problem or start something up, uh, the secret is going to be people. It's not going to be data and information, and um, the fact is 99% of those people at any one point are hidden from us so we need to hone the art of discovering people that's that's what we've got to try and do and when we've discovered them something I'm constantly working on is try and hone the art of keeping in touch with them because the great sadness is we lose touch with half the best people we've ever met and well that's what you're really good at Ollie I mean you are really good at staying in touch with people but I just wanted to share something with you, you didn't meet my Alan my, my husband died sadly 25 years ago this year but he said fish feed where the bottom changes. He was a commercial fisherman. And that is exactly right. You're talking about diversification. If you if you just stay with the people that you know and you're comfy with, you 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 can't get change. It's meeting new people and getting out of your comfort zone, really. Um, and taking sort of risks with yourself yeah. to explore and make new connections. Yeah, and, and, and not to preempt where this uh, where the currents of this conversation might take us, but one misconception for networking events, for example, is that you're there to do deals. Well, actually, I think you're there to discover interesting characters, to have your mind pinged by fresh ideas. And I think when we've all gone virtual, particularly in the last year and a half, that's an even greater gift in some cases, because I could pop over to a early evening drinks tonight in Oslo, or in a sector I know nothing about. And um, th that, that to me is hugely exciting, particularly if you don't take it too literally. No, that doesn't now mean I'm going to get involved in nuclear power, but just maybe a ping of an idea helps me in what I'm trying to do. This reminds me of, of your podcast, Ollie. I remember downloading it in the sort of bleak of January and sitting in my garden shed listening to, this is the Build a Better Network podcast. And I think it was one of the early episodes you talked about, and I think you were a student, reaching out to Saatchi and Saatchi. And it was it Stephen, oh, I've got it here. Colgrave. Uh, Colgrave. Yeah, that's oh, it, the, yeah. The Friday, the Friday afternoon call. That's, well, it, an effective one at that, because what I was really interested in asking was that you've both highlighted the importance of people and the buzz and magic of people and what they can bring. But Ollie, you rang a very senior person, global marketing director, head of business development. Why do you think he took your call? Why did he want to speak to you? <laughs> what could you offer? 
Well, it's, it's a very valid question. And um, I do know the answer because I've asked him since. And uh, the short answer is he was a bit bored. Uh, it was <laughs> It was I mean, I could Friday say... Afternoon. I could say because he believed in giving the next generation a chance. And of course he does. But the truth is, um, it was Friday afternoon. He was slightly playing, you know, telephone roulette and answering the odd call. Um, his assistant had popped out uh, to, to do a few things out and about. And, uh, and he just thought, I'm just going to pick up the phone. And here was somebody not, not actually pitching their business, actually, um, because I wasn't um, at first. But I was asking a question about um, whether I was allowed to use the names of famous people on a poster because I didn't want to get sued and I wanted to say because in a way oh I'm just uh, fighting off a wasp here which is exciting all the unpredicted things about working in the garden and um, I wanted to say because amazing you my first company was a matchmaking service you know Lennon seeks McCartney but I didn't know whether I was used able to use famous people's names and um, strangely rather than going wait 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 who are you Stephen Colgrave said that's a really interesting question. It depends if they're dead. And we had this amazing chat, um, which ended with him saying, all right, what are you up to? And I told him I was a student. I was calling him from the floor of my student bedroom. I'd got their number through directory inquiries. This is pre-Google. And here he is taking a phone call. The punchline, of course, is that he says, um, well, well, come and see me. And sure enough, the next Tuesday, I find myself sitting in his office on Charlotte Street in London. And at the end of the meeting, he says, I think you should meet some of our clients. And by the way, if you are looking for the occasional London office, you can use a desk down here for no charge at all. And it, it, it just planted a seed in my mind that trusted introductions are magic. Um, you know, um, relationships built over years are magic. Um, just occasionally, and frankly, more than occasionally, if you're a small and medium sized business, reaching out, taking long shots, that's really where things start to get exciting because you bend all the rules, you beat the system. It's like creating your own ladders in Snakes and Ladders, isn't it, Caroline? Just going, why not? Let's give it a go. The worst that can happen is they'll ignore me. Yeah, I had a lovely example of that in China, actually, because um, I, I went randomly, went to China and I was doing something and there was this really, really shy girl, really shy. And, you know, they were tr trying to do this sort of international law competition, but she, she was trying in English and she desperately wanted to meet this a man at the other end side of the room who was a quite a big lawyer. And she went, oh, I can't do that. And I said, hmm, what is going to happen? What is the worst thing that could happen if you walked across that room? And she said, well, he might not talk to me. I said, so is that career limiting? Is that uh, going to hurt you? Is that What's that going to do? And she went, well, none of those things. And I said, well, why don't you walk across the room? And she, I tell you, she. I remember this is a Chinese student. She walked across the room and I looked her up five minutes later. They were chattering away like that. And she came back. I have never seen such a transformation. And it was, I think, rather like you, Ollie. With the, she came back and said, he's given me a paid internship. <laughs> love it same thing absolutely like you know that is a it's a, well that meeting was it was a light bulb moment wasn't it for both of you and it set you on your path well it, it also reminds me though that i think we all now have a responsibility and certainly an opportunity at the very least on the one hand to build confidence and encourage as you did there but something you did for me as well i was at a, a gathering it was somewhere very again it was a very rarefied location caroline and i remember certain individuals from young enterprise who went on to adopt tenor which i started were in the room yeah. and the other thing you did that evening was you helped me to navigate 
by pointing certain individuals out. And you can take that literally, oh, that chap over there is David Grayson or whatever it might have been, you know. Um, but, but I mean, in the overall sense, just providing intelligence, providing a bit of a tip off to those companies under your mentorship or who cross your paths, just saying rather than formal introductions, just you might want to know about you might bear in mind or have a look over there. And it's that sort of intel, that generosity, that helping to navigate, that I think is unbelievably valuable. Crucially, back to Matt's point on people, if they're going into large organisations, really people will easily be bedazzled by the brand name, a Google, a Barclays. But actually what they really want to hear is, see if you can get to Ashok, see if you can get to Ashok Vaswani at Barclays and, 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 and then give them, give them the why. Because ultimately, it's the people that do the deals, the people that take risks on those smaller companies. And that, and, that, and that will be, you know, the gold dust bit of the intro, I suppose. We're really probably introducing this term networking. And I, and I think the idea, that the, the example, Caroline, that you put forward of this Chinese student who was worried about going up to this, this lawyer. And I know that when we get our SMEs together at the university, I think we're quite conscious of not using the word networking when we're bringing people together and we're having a peer-to-peer uh, peer -peer event. Ollie, why do you think that people are uncomfortable with the term networking? Um, well, because, I mean, lots of reasons. Sometimes because they hark back in their mind to somewhere or some time where they felt uncomfortable um, because they didn't know why they were there. They felt there was some sort of pressure they didn't feel comfortable with. It didn't seem particularly warm or human. I think people can interpret it as being a little bit um, about social climbing, something like that, a bit about, you know, means to an end rather than people, interesting people being an end in and of themselves um, and um, yeah I think that it just conjures up these images of pressure whereas for me um, well first of all a tiny part of networking for me now is about meeting new people the vast majority of it is about keeping in touch with the people you've already met and you know really helping them and building those um, relationships but no, it, it has um, for, for many people it has the cringe factor because you've gone from being in the wild doing whatever it is you do to being held captive and very often you're slightly suspicious about the motives of the captor and the fellow captives what's everyone here for what do they want from me or if the pressure's on frankly i'm not even enjoying my day job so i'm not going to enjoy it being cooped up in here having to talk about it all evening and there's the other secret you don't have to talk about your day job when you go networking so um anyway that, that's my start of a 10 which um um is quite quite a lot of theories there caroline what, what do you think and uh, just sort of yes <laughs> yes but the other thing is i think it's just the word the word has grown to be a barrier because people sort of immediately then sort of ascribe it with certain things, some of which um, Ollie's talked about. And they think, well, I can't do this. They don't think back to a school dance or going to the pub with their mates or, you know, which is what actually really what networking is about. It's 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 meeting people and staying in, in touch with them. It's, you know, that's. That's what it is, isn't it? I mean, it's it, it it it's been, but it's been turned into this sort of slight thing that you do as a special thing, rather than a thing that most of us do absolutely naturally when we're going out socially, meeting friends. 
And, you know, the thing I think the only thing I think is different is that if you only gravitate towards the people who you already consider to your friends, you know, that's a mistake because actually it's nice for us all, as Ollie has said, you know, that the person in Nairobi, he's going to go and search out after this, who we might get on with like a house on fire. You have to you have to have a the bit of a thing to actually say, well, it would be really nice if I could meet somebody new because the rule of serendipity implies what 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 might happen next, what then what might happen. Yeah. And I, and I think that there's so much, certainly in some of the circles that I um, sort of move in, if you like, of obsession around raising money, venture capital, all of this, when the simple fact is that some of the best small and medium sized businesses, and I'd go as far as to say all of the most successful small and medium sized businesses I've ever met have thrived on one source of income, which is their customers. Yeah. And so if you haven't got a knack for connecting with people you don't know, you won't meet and convert and cause, you know, um, you know, brilliant things to happen with customers, you know. So, you know, whether you're putting on your blue sky thinking hat, your business development hat, your sales hat, your partnerships hat, frankly, your desire to meet like minds on the journey hat. Um, I think getting into environments virtually and physically where you can meet others is is completely essential. And by, and by the way, I think it also matters enormously to develop your own style. You don't have to pop on a pair of red trousers. You don't have to be loud and bolshy. Um, you can be the quiet, thoughtful one. Um, it doesn't matter. Um, but, um, but I think there are a lot of stereotypes which flow into people's minds when these words and questions uh, come up. Um, I just feel that um, you know, revisiting it in your own way at your own pace really matters. Can I just build on something that Ollie said? Because I think it's really important and it's that thing about authenticity. Don't try and be somebody else. The only person who you are can never be is yourself. Um, and I think it's a it's it is really but you have to do stuff that works for you um, and incrementally sort of do more and more, but not try and pretend that you're something else, because actually that will not work. It's doomed to fail. I completely agree with that, but not to say um, that you shouldn't try stuff on from time to time. And I, I, I'm, for example, a, a, a technique, a, a friend told me a technique they used was ask a provocative question at a conference before the first coffee break, and they'd have a little queue of people either to have an argument with them or to pat them on the back. Um, that, that might not work for you, um, but, but then again, it might, you know, um, asking to see a guest list before an event. Um, bit of a cheeky request as long as you say you don't want their email addresses a lot of hosts will send you that guest guest list so doing a bit more homework well again that might not suit your style but for a lot of people that's what leads them to the gold dust on the guest list when they're in there practicing saying a polite goodbye to people when you're in a physical event can triple the number of interesting people you meet at an event but let's be honest the first time you try it sounds a bit rude seems a bit awkward but actually when you get into the swing of it you say, Caroline, are you, are you going to be here all, all conference? Yes, I am. Well, maybe we'll meet a bit later on. Or even I might say, Caroline, are you up for meeting more guests? Yeah, sh should we go and meet some more people together? And off you go as a two. And then before you know it, you've bumped into another two. And, and, and you know, just trying on some of these techniques. And I've had so many people say to me afterwards, that simple technique has tripled the value I've got from that encounter. I, I know a number of our SMEs before today's podcast have talked about being introverts, you know, actually being a bit shy when going to these events. So actually going and doing it with somebody else and meeting new people in a two or a three can really help um, have that confidence to go and speak to new people. It's a really big one. I remember when I first moved up to the northeast quite a long time ago now, but actually it was very difficult as a woman in business, really hard. 
and actually that was one of the things that I always tried to do because it was you know it, it's go with somebody else because it just does make it easier and you feel supported so it's 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 finding what Ollie was talking about it's getting yourself supported and getting yourself as much information as you can in advance doing your prep so that you can make the most of things because we always make the most of things don't we when we're comfy even if we work, work, we move into an alien environment, but if you're comfortable and you you protect, get there early is another one before it fills up, and then you're then um, you're having to move into all these people already talking to folk. And that's I think that's the stereotypical that you walk into that room, everybody's talking, and you're not talking, and it can and that can be intimidating. And I think for people who are listening to this for SMEs, and actually, goodness, you've you've both highlighted this an awful lot, and Ollie, you've um, been commended for this. What practical tips would you have for SMEs after they've met that person that they wanted to speak to about keeping in touch and keeping that relationship going? Well, I think there's just this great range of techniques. I mean, my, my sort of supercharger technique over a long term has been to become a host myself so to convene small groups of people sometimes just you know two Fridays ago it was eight of us for coffee one Friday morning but become a connector because that way um, you you can help people to keep in touch with you but they also get to meet other people now that, that, that might seem a bit you know too much of a burden for some people but that that's been my secret weapon if you like becoming a host and um, the the day-to-day -day technique i use the most is try to be helpful so when i spot an interesting article or an interesting piece um you know four times out of five i try and ping it on to at least one other person yep and i think that can really form the secret to a great follow-up as well which is to say matt lovely to meet and cross paths here's that restaurant i mentioned here's that book i mentioned and that is 10 times better than the arbitrary linkedin request or the nice to meet you and let's keep in touch goodbye you know add a little bit of extra intel and it shows you remembered them you care about them and you'll keep looking out for them and actually those those magic words which i use a lot which is just no need to reply keep it light keep it friendly and that can help you maintain relationships over decades or certainly years um just by being helpful by spotting stuff because people are busy and if you can say oh you're working in leisure where did you see sweaty betty got sold to the owners of hush puppies or whatever you know just a tiny deal or a huge deal in that case it might just make them think well what, what a thoughtful person i hadn't spotted that but that's helpful for me i think the other thing is that is actually the almost the first thing is that if you say you're going to be back in touch with somebody after you have met them um then if you don't do that that, that is a mistake you know that's about that that's about the trust thing and then i absolutely agree with ollie you know it's 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 the helpful stuff it's not asking but giving because you know give us gain really um and trying to yeah give it yeah give us gain i think i mm. think that's a really important thing and being helpful and smiling you know because it's so much easier to talk to people when they're smiling helpful isn't it the, the, on the return on investment it can seem and quite rightly be more onerous to offer to make introductions off the back of a first meeting, which is why, particularly for smaller businesses or earlier stage businesses, I just try and reframe it by saying, even if you point out three or four useful people or organizations to someone else, that in itself is helpful. So, so don't, shy, don't shy away uh, from doing that too, you know? Yeah, and I think this builds nicely on one of the one of our SMEs has come to us. I'm sure we all know a business like this, where actually they are um, 
they're doing okay. And in fact, there isn't an appetite to scale up. Their order book is full. And they said to me, you know, Matt, we like meeting new people, but I don't feel that we need to network. What are the other benefits, not just improving sales and business performance from networking? What can come from developing good connections? That is a great question. Well, well, I would always want to know more about somebody's um, ambitions, you know, short, medium, long term for the business. So for me, it's not just about the quality of that pipeline today. It might be thinking longer term, you know, um, is that going to be full? Where is it going to come from uh, geographically? Um, but also what are the potential, you know, opportunities and threats to the business? So just being aware of other players, other industries that might rhyme with yours that you could learn from. So from an innovation uh, perspective, um, again, let's be honest, um, regardless of how healthy from one angle your business is, the threat of stress or burnout on a founder or a leadership team could present itself at any time. So I think having those peer-to-peer relationships as well to be able to say, you know, um, and, a, and a silly extreme might be, what am I going to do about this 10 million pound tax bill? Um, it might be, um, you know, frankly, we look like a successful business, but we have a cash flow crisis. Knowing who to go to at those times, very difficult to build a trusted relationship within a morning. You know, much easier to be going back to those trusted, you know, hotline numbers that are, you know, are warm to your call the minute you pick up the phone. And frankly, even the most, I'm a shareholder in at least one multi-billion dollar company and even they have those red flashing lights on the dashboard moment when they need to know who to call. It's a question of working in and, and, and on the business, isn't it? Because actually, if you just focus in, you, you don't get those that outside um, that that outside perspective. And one of the things I think, well, Ollie talked about it a bit earlier about, you know, the virtual world we've all been living in. One of the things I have really appreciated about that is actually how many different tables it has and how many different conversations it's allowed me to access. And the, 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 one of the ones actually just picking up um, Ollie's point about learning from people who aren't the same as you, but could, and could be much bigger, who might be spotting things in a different way, is this mental is the mental health piece, because I'm a member of the CBI, and the the, the regional director of the CBI here puts on these sort of weekly. Let's sort of share what's going on, and it's absolutely fat. Obviously, it's all you know Chatham House rules. But learning what other people are going through, listening and learning, you can then adapt it to your business, take it away, transfer it, um, and you're meeting people who either think or don't think like you. It's just, it's it's sort of intelligence, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, I think that's that's definitely a good way to describe it. And the the other aspect might be over time, Matt, that um, talent becomes their big challenge. Um, You know, if you ask the scale-up institute you know who are trying to ask scale-up businesses what you know they're most struggling with if you like you know markets comes top of that list both you know national and international um you know very uh, very soon on you're running into uh, team member talent that they're looking for non-executive directors presents itself over half of scale-up say that it's the non-exec directors that they struggle to find so again i'd be looking at it from slightly different perspectives you know because i don't know many very successful small medium-sized businesses that have said they've never had a challenge recruiting amazing people so you never really know who you're going to bump into out there and that's particularly true just now i think it's you know it's very very difficult for 
businesses trying to recruit talent now when you know there's there are far less but you would think there are a lot of people around but actually there are there are less people because the ones who, who are very talented are being snapped up very very fast and again that goes back Carolyn I think to playing this sort of long-term game which is if you can build relationships with people you admire you respect and I have this concept in my mind which goes back to decades ago in the dance hall which is marking someone's card which isn't trying to poach them or tap them up but it's just saying Matt you know I've really enjoyed getting to know you and I hope that we might collaborate more formally one day and, and just those sorts of exchanges you never know what hat someone's going to be wearing a year or two later and if you look out for the transitions in people's life when they're moving on to their next opportunity that could be your moment for a quick 10 minute catch up on the phone or a quick coffee to offer to help them and some of the top talent I've seen going in and out of small businesses have happened just through seizing those little micro opportunities. And I think what's nice and I, is that this, is, this isn't something that you've got to stop your day job and cancel a meeting to do, is it? This is something that you just weave into your day-to-day -day activity. It becomes a behavioural norm, doesn't it, in terms of how you behave and seeing something if you're just on the train and pinging it on, as Ollie says, to, to, to somebody else who might find it useful. And it's, um, it's interesting. I think Ollie's partly answered the part of this question with his hosting and the, and the coffee morning that you had the other Friday. But, you know, the SMEs that we're dealing with and, and working with at Northumbria have got exceedingly digitally savvy over the last um, 15 months. And Caroline, you've just highlighted and you know because you, you work with a lot of them. And um, I think they've taken a bit of a hybrid approach. They are good at picking up the phone, but they're probably even better on Teams and Zoom these days and having lots of video calls. As restrictions start to be eased, what advice would you both have for these SMEs who, who want to keep connecting and keeping these relationships going? Now they can do it face to face. Should they keep the online going? Should they do both? Um, yes, is the answer to that. Uh, because you meet different, you, you, social interaction is very different when it's online. You can go to more places, you can learn new things. Ollie talked about that learning about nuclear physics or whatever, you know, stretching your brain, you can, you can, you can, you can go all the way around the world to learn about new things. That is very different from going to a place and building a relationship face to face. Um, and I think that if you have the ability to, to do both, that's that's where the magic can happen. But always it's it's creating the new things. But also always, as Ollie said before, it's keeping in touch with the people who've already helped. It's it's not just it's not always going just out there. It's nurturing those relationships and friendships and connections that you've got. I think businesses have got an incredible opportunity now. I think one of the downfalls of any online interaction is by and large, and I'm going to exaggerate now, we have the encounters that we plan to have. Yep. If I ask you to list the people you bumped into on Zoom or Teams in the last year, um, uh, there might be a few, but there won't be a vast number. Whereas I have completely lost count of the interesting people I've bumped into face to face in lobbies, in corridors, because they were meet leaving a meeting with someone I was arriving to meet. And it's that serendipity, that happy coincidence that I long for in the face-to-face -face world. That having been said, maybe there are techniques we can take from our virtual world, which we can begin to apply back to face-to-face. -to -face. Do meetings have to be an hour? That then goes on a little bit longer. If we respect people's location and timing, could they be 15 or 20 minutes more often. I don't know, but I'll certainly be experimenting with the shorter, sharper uh, meeting, you know, myself. Um, how about um, 
um, ju just this um, ju just this ability now um, to, um, to to patch in and and, and combine certain uh, meetings, and that that won't be easy. A lot of the biggest, most successful organisations I know are very strict now. They say no, it's either all virtual or all in person. Well. That, that to me seems to lack imagination. How, how can we do better than that? Um, fi final thought, I interviewed someone yesterday whose company manages um, now knocking on for $30 billion in assets. They're an impact investor. Um, their message was very clear. He wants to see people um, face to face. He wants to see the whites of their eyes to build trust, to get a real sense of who that person is. And for a lot of people, that desire isn't going anywhere. Caroline's been working on a, a strategy, haven't you, at, at the university for force for good. And this is a strategy which is bringing those SMEs, in fact, it's a catalyst to bringing those SMEs together in that physical space, or soon to be anyway, and sharing that um, experiences and sharing that wisdom. And actually speaking to many of them, they have got gradually more confident on LinkedIn. It was something that they hadn't really touched or they did it periodically. And over the course of the last 15 months, they're, they're using LinkedIn more frequently. Have you both got any advice on any sort of pointers on what they could be doing on a maybe weekly basis with LinkedIn just to keep maximising um, their chances of new business or new connections? Re really practical tips. Firstly, it's not just about you. So don't be afraid to shine a spotlight to point to other people and organisations that you're doffing your cap to, that you're shining a light on. Secondly, the LinkedIn algorithm is very powerful in picking up and sharing who's liked what, who's noticed what. So one clever way to get onto people's radar, particularly that you want to cultivate, is to like, is to comment their on their stuff. Not just to say, great point or congrats, but in improv terms, we'd call it yes anding, which might be to chip in another piece of information to riff around a subject. The third idea, which is really, I guess, you'd put in a bucket around thought leadership, which is what are the big problems your organisation's trying to solve? What thinking can you share about the bigger problem, not just your company? But then the trick is, how can you broadcast that over a LinkedIn, but then narrow cast it back to maybe five or 10 people into their inbox that you really want to see your thinking? So where a lot of businesses slip up on LinkedIn is they obsess about telling you what's happening today and what happened yesterday, but they forget to talk about the future, about where they want to go. So if you really want to get the most from LinkedIn collaboration, dare to talk about the future and dare to chip into other people's thoughts and thinking processes to be seen as a helpful, thoughtful collaborator. Those would be my top tips. I think there is a thing there. If you just do what I call single channel, so just go out there, you don't give people, uh, telling people about you, you don't give them any room to comment. Whereas if you're sort of doing something which is opening up with a question, you know, what do people think? How would they, you know, can you think about, you know, it, it, it's exactly what Ollie has said, but it's actually allowing people to respond to you rather than not giving them, just telling them who you are, because that's the same as a conversation, isn't it? If you just go, if you're on, you know, broadcast, <laughs> nobody can get a word in edgeways. And it's the same on LinkedIn. Many of the posts that we've seen from our network have been around talent. In fact, you both highlighted it and about where to find the next graduates who can come in and make a positive impact in their business. And that has resulted in lots of conversation and 
reposting, which is going to be really valuable compared to just talking about something that they did last week. So that's, um, yeah, that's really interesting. A final observation on LinkedIn, just, just two very quick techniques. And forgive me if listeners are already doing this, but LinkedIn can tell you, as can Twitter, um, who somebody follows, what they've been sharing, but also what they've been liking. And that can give you a glimpse into how somebody sees the world. So just picking up on their congratulations to a former colleague might give you a tiny clue about something. It'll also give you a little insight into the breadth of their personality. In some cases, yeah, I use that word in context with LinkedIn, um, because very often their passion won't be given away by their day job. They might be a buyer of Marks and Spencers, but what charities do they support? Where in the world did they grow up? What clues can you find that might help you build rapport and give you a clue into the person, not just the business card? And so I think LinkedIn is actually very good for that. And people leave clues everywhere if we can be bothered to find them, I think. And Caroline, you're a, you're a Sherlock Holmes like this because you ask great questions, right? Because you want to know what makes someone tick. I do want to know what makes someone tick. And that's really, it is really, it goes right back to where you started when we were talking about, you know, the networking thing, the formal networking thing. And as Ollie said, I think then, don't just talk about the day job. Uh, you know, ask about, did you read that book last week? Do you see that thing on the telly? If you take a, it's back to what my Alan used to say about fish feeding where the bottom changes. If you go out on a limb and ask the unexpected, people go, oh, that's interesting. I, I remember meeting somebody ages and ages ago who's, I think, probably quite successful. Well, I know he's quite successful now. But he said one of the things is making yourself be noticed, making yourself, for good or worse, but actually I think, Ollie, we, all three of us, Matt, would like to be taken for good, not for worse. But actually doing things in a slightly different way may, means people remember you. And that's quite helpful, isn't it? This is where I think people um, from uh, feel a little bit worried, maybe even anxious, about being a bit boastful about putting too much content out there. But actually what you're saying is actually having a more holistic content um, could actually be more fruitful in terms of people picking it up and, and having new conversations. Yeah, completely. But, but also going back to, you know, a, you know, a friend of mine runs, a, you know, a dance class or a series of dance classes for kids called Tot Bop. But, you know, I reckon if Caroline met her, she'd want to know why she started it. Yeah, I would. Know. Rather than, oh, what time are the classes? You know, but you want to know, well, what's behind that? And, you know, what really drove you to do that? And what, what, are, you, what, are, your, what are your plans? What are your dreams for it? But also, are there some related issues like how on earth do you do a class for kids on Zoom? Or, um, you know, how does this play into the overall, you know, health crisis? So whatever it happens to be. So, again, there are things that people can comment on almost obliquely that aren't me, me, me. This is a bit more about my business, just in case you'd forgotten it. But just show you care about the bigger picture. Matt's talked a bit about the force for good. That's exactly right. It's actually not just it, it, it is not talking about the me, me, me. It's actually that it is the business in its wider context. That's what that's where the the new conversations happen, um, and keeping things open rather than closing down. You know, we, we always practical networking tip: face to face on Zoom, wherever. Do not go off down conversational cul-de-sacs. If you go down a conversational cul-de-sac, you'll shut people up. I'm going to throw it back to you just for a both of you for a final sort of thoughts. 
in what we've been talking about today, which is really connecting, connecting with SMEs and connecting with new people. And of course, the practical ways of doing that and maintaining relationships. Do either of you, and there's certainly no pressure, but do either of you have any, any sort of final thoughts for any of the businesses that are listening to this about moving forward or some steps that they think or, or some tips that they should take about um, taking the next step in terms of connecting? Well, I can see Caroline's thinking, um, and so I'm going to jump in with a couple and then we'll riff around a couple. Um, at the risk of sounding a bit worthy, I think if you've managed to go on some sort of successful journey, you've got an amazing opportunity and responsibility to keep the door open, um, whether that's inviting people along to something, um, you know, bringing them into new environments. You know, that's how Caroline and I first met. So I'd constantly be thinking, whatever encounter it is you're designing, how open is this for the next generation? Or by the by next generation, I might mean people of your age, but just happen to be coming from different parts of the country or different industries and sectors. What we're going to see over this next couple of years is a great shakeup of people realising, I don't want to do what I've been doing anymore. I'm up for a change. So the flip side of that is, it's not good enough just to get somebody across the threshold. We've got to make them feel comfortable. We've got to make them feel that they've got something to contribute. So I'd, so I'd focus on that. My final thought, very briefly, is I do sense an underlying spirit of generosity of people willing to give something back, whether it's a few minutes of advice, a helpful connection, a pointing finger in the right direction to say, have you checked this out? So my number one message to small and medium-sized businesses is don't be afraid to ask. There is a wealth of helpfulness out there and sometimes it's just that email that could unlock it. Yeah, this is what we would say in the North East, Ollie, is shy bands getting out. <laughs> <laughs> I was reminded of that exact phrase very recently by Caroline. <laughs> it's exactly that. It's it, it, And it's JFDI, isn't it? You know, it's, it's doing it, but actually um, helping other people as you do um and and you know and 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 asking i remember you know years and years ago when i worked for maxwell he, it was one of the things he said to me caroline just ask he said it's your worst thing about you you just don't ask and i think a lot of business owners, particularly very young business owners and i mean young in in terms of formation not necessarily in terms of the age of the business leader they just think oh well that's a silly question i don't think i better ask there is no such thing as a silly question um, and there's no such thing about, you know, and, you know, sometimes you are sort of paralysed. And I know that I have this sometimes. I'm actually par sort of almost paralysed by fear and thinking, well, I can't possibly do this because everybody out there is much more important and they're much this and they're much that. But actually, as Ollie says, people are generous. And if you're just if you're asking, they are. I Most people, I think, will will help. I genuinely think that. And I think that that has got much better as well. I think Ollie's absolutely right. The, you know, some people have behaved extremely badly over the last 18 months, but actually the majority of people, and particularly SMEs, actually have been looking out for people in their community and they've been looking out for people who are less fortunate than, than themselves. And there is a sea change, I think, towards a more caring sort of capitalism, if I may use that expression, where people are thinking not just about themselves and, you know, their shareholders, but they're actually thinking about how their business fits in a wider community and, not, you know, and growing the community with the business. 
Yeah, no, well, I, I certainly agree with that. I think um, on, on a practical note, I would encourage any um, small, medium-sized business just um, to cultivate a broader range of connections because frankly, not every encounter needs to turn into the equivalent of a business marriage. And I think that's a big misconception. You can, you can brush, you can cross paths with people. You can dip in and out of certain events and environments. So I'm, I'm inviting people in the healthiest, most positive way to be more promiscuous, to, uh, to sample many things from many different parts of the business world. And, you know, people can take these things so literally. But frankly, if you admire the way Patagonia has built its business, drop them a note and tell them. You know, that doesn't need to mean that you're on a steady road to them becoming your new mentor or your new client. And I think there's so much rarefied robe clothed chat around mentoring and that whole thing, which just puts people off. Keep it light. Keep it simple. Keep it brief in the first instance. And I think many good things can begin. Brilliant. Thank you so much to my guests, Ollie Barrett and Caroline Theobald, for joining me on this episode of Why Small Business Matters. You can find out more information about ways in which Northumbria University can support small business by visiting northumbria.ac.uk forward slash help to grow. If you're a small business owner, there is lots of information on here on how Northumbria University can support your business and further information about the Help to Grow Management Programme. For now, thanks for listening and we'll catch you on the next episode of Why Small Business Matters. Thank you.